buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 79. Today we're going to chat with Adam Kraut, make a prank call about plus size body armor, and talk about my trip to Q. Today's panel is Sean Heron and um, Ava Flav. And we're in a hurry because Adam needs to get a haircut, so I'm going to go directly into the manicure arms. Actually, after. actually, I just wanted to let everybody know, and you too, because I think I think you assumed I took a shower before I got here, but I actually didn't. I actually like I was working out, and my hair's wet, and yeah, I, I wasn't wondering. Okay, cool. Let's go into manicure arms. <laughs> you always smell like that. <laughs> John, what do you want to talk about with Manicore Arms, our little buddy bears across the few states from here? I was informed that we need to talk about Bren parts. And okay. so I was looking up the brand, the CZ Bren 2, uh, pistol, like 762 by 39, which most people know. Uh, MSRP is about 1800 bucks. I don't have any experience with Bren's personally, but Manicore Arms does make a lot of products for them, like their af- some muzzle devices after, after burner linear comp, night break and the reverb, um, the knurled charging handle the M-Lock 4 end, which is pretty cool as well, and the Brand 805 Safety. So they make comfort products and they make existing products that you probably already own better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is just another example of that. So you can go to manicorearms.com and use coupon code GUNFUNNY15 for 15% off. Dang, that's the first time you didn't ask me for the code. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's cool. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, old dogs, female dogs. All right, I'm let's get gonna, into it. I'm not going to go further. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. We got Adam Kraut in the house. Hello. (laughs) Adam, all right, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, did you want me to be more robust with my hello? Hello, everyone. Adam Kraut is in... The house, I yep. guess, as Ava Flav just put it. Yep, there you go. <laughs> now now <sighs> you're doing it. <laughs> oh, man. I can't even take myself seriously. Not that I ever <laughs> do, but... Um, well, well, that's a good way to lead into this. So I'm a lawyer. I do important things, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I am a lawyer. I, I do firearms-related stuff. I also create content i guess is that what the kids say these days yeah mm-hmm. hashtag influencer on, yeah that's what i was gonna say how I'm long on the youtube how long have you been a lawyer um since 2014 okay in my fifth year okay too long way too long long enough to to make you see things differently uh yeah i guess i mean uh, it changed you you're a changed man uh yeah well law school was kind of that uh that bar so <laughs> right yeah. all right so you're a lawyer you're an influencer yeah. you create content no no i am not an influencer <laughs> you if are though influenced by me please <laughs> stop making that happen don't don't do it uh what what took you to law school man <laughs> a lack of direction in life <laughs> <laughs> i kid you not i was uh i was working in a restaurant at the time i had taken a year off after college um, working at the spot i worked in while i was in college and uh, it was between that or I was looking into the uh, OCS programs for the Marine Corps. And after a lot of thought, I decided that that was just not going to be for me. Uh, so I did what every, you know, responsible young adult does, uh, you know, go to school for four more years at night and accrue a shitload of debt in the process. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> now, was there was there any point when you were getting your uh, your law degree that you just you were like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this, but I've already put so much time and effort and money into it, I might as well finish it. Yes, literally, like halfway through, I'm like, I don't think I want to do this, and then, well, I I kind of have to finish it now because I'm I'm in too deep to walk away with nothing. No kidding. Uh, I feel like that's yes. actually a lot of lawyers, though. It, it, yep. Yeah, you know, it is. It is. My uh, my dad and my uncle were both uh, lawyers. They actually both went to the same law school I did. They were in the first class out of it um, when it was formed, and they had a practice in town here for uh, probably about twenty some years before my uncle died. And then my dad, uh, he's now a local district magistrate. But you know, I grew up going into their law practice, and they did. They, they were general practitioners. They didn't really do any litigation. It was, you know, wills, trusts, estates, uh, property settlement agreements, things like that. That was more paperwork stuff versus briefs and filing and oral argument and stuff like that. So it was a very, it's very different. What they did was very different from what I'm currently doing. I never in a million years thought I would be litigating things. And why uh, did you, here, what, here what made you choose that direction? It wasn't so much a choice. It was, <laughs> I got, got to the, in between the third and fourth year of entering my final year of law school. I'm like, well, uh, I'm going to graduate here soon, theoretically, and I'm going to need a job. And all these places are going to want somebody with experience. So I was into guns at that point in my life. Um, I then, I, I think by then I was starting to work at a gun shop. Um, uh, but I'd already, I had been interested in them since I was, uh, you know, a young kid in scouts and then 18 and you know, we, talk about that stuff later but anyway so i did some looking around and i saw that there was an attorney that was mentioned on the pennsylvania gun form i hung out a lot at the time and i shot an email off saying hey look you know i'm in law school i need an internship uh so after some negotiation we came to an agreement where i ended up with an internship where i could come and go as i pleased and that ultimately transpired into me remaining there and where it's where i currently am uh so i kind of I mean, I took an interest of mine and I merged it into a career field that I was entering into. Um, people ask me all the time, you know, did you set out with the intention to become a firearms lawyer? No, that, that wasn't my intention. Uh, that's just kind of how it ended up. I took something that I had an interest in and figured it would make the end result less boring, if you will, or, you know, less mm -hmm. painful to do every day. Boy, were you wrong. Uh, in some ways, yeah, absolutely. Jokes uh, on you. One of, one of the, you, you <laughs> called me an influencer earlier, and I, I, I laugh at that because I hate that term. But I know. Um, well, that, I think things, everybody does. <laughs> except for the people who uh, consider themselves influencers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess until I get sponsored by like, you know, a protein company, I haven't quite made it yet, but yeah. I'll keep trying. But one of the funny things has been that I guess enough people have seen me on YouTube and wherever else and uh, consider my opinion important because I get a lot of emails from either kids that are towards the end of college or kids that are in law school or young adults or, you know, adults that are in law school asking, you know, how do I get involved uh, doing the kind of stuff you do or they're considering law school and they want advice as to things they should consider and look for. So all those people, I, the one thing I do do, um, I always reach out to those people and try and set aside some time to talk to them to give them a picture. And I always painted it that, you know, this is my perspective on it. There's plenty of lawyers out there that really love what they do. Uh, there's plenty of lawyers out there that really hate what they do. And there's some that are in between, but I try to give those people kind of an eyes wide view as to what they may be getting themselves into, you know, law school or just the, the field generally so that they can 
have an idea as to what they're getting into. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people did that a little bit with me, but maybe not as much as I, <laughs> looking back, would have liked. Right, right. What do you guys do? What, what, what does a firearms attorney do? I mean, we know the big profile stuff, but like, what actually keeps the lights on and pays the bills? Uh, <laughs> well, you're talking about civil rights stuff, so that's generally not uh, monetarily relative to other fields. It's certainly not a uh, uh, lucrative business, if you will. Right. So what what we do at the firm is uh, we we do state and federal law. So we're licensed to practice law in Pennsylvania. So we do state issues in Pennsylvania. Everything from advising individuals as to whether or not they're prohibited persons based on their criminal history, uh, if they get erroneously denied by the state police for either a gun purchase or license to carry, helping clear that stuff up. Gun trusts were a big thing till 41F came out, uh, suing municipalities for violating state preemption. Uh, things like that. Uh, the general day-to-day stuff typically is advising people um, as to, you know, their, their status. Um, and then at the federal level, uh, everything from helping people set up FFLs to ATF compliance issues. Uh, and then as you're probably aware, some of the more liti- uh, big litigation things like the, you know, currently the bump stock case, uh, we have a number of Second Amendment as applied challenges that are uh, pending um, in the district courts as well as the Third Circuit now. Uh, FFL revocations and denials being uh, litigated from the administrative level up through the district court and into the Third Circuit. In some ways, it's a very diverse thing, but at the same time, it's not so much. You could really go either way as to how you kind of want to develop a practice if you really want to focus on the individual or if you want to focus on the industry or kind of a smattering of both. Tell us more about the bump stock lawsuit. Uh, so that was the culmination of uh, President Trump's uh, executive fiat to ban bump stocks. He said that, you know, I'm going to ban bump stocks. Don't worry about bump stocks. They're going to be banned. And so ATF and DOJ, they entered into rulemaking. Uh, it, they had an advance notice to propose rulemaking where they collected information. Then they entered into rulemaking at the beginning of 2018 and then December, I believe it was 16th, they signed, uh, at the time, uh, acting attorney general, uh, Whitaker signed the final rule, which changed the definition of machine gun in the regulations, uh, that deal with the National Firearms Act, the Gun Control Act. And, uh, oh man, I'm going to forget, uh, it's escaping me, but it, it deals with ITAR and the, uh, Export Arms Control Act. So, they essentially altered the definition of machine gun in the regulations and the contention is uh, a number of things, including that Congress very clearly defined the term machine gun. ATF has exceeded its authority in interpreting certain terms within it. Uh, a bunch of Administrative Procedures Act issues, including the length of the comment period, the rulings arbitrary and capricious, things like that. And then there was a challenge also to the ability of Whitaker to sign that final rule and implement it based on who, when Jeff Sessions resigned, who should succeed him in the position of attorney general while Mm -hmm. we wait for the Senate to confirm one, which they just did with uh, Bob Barr. And I guess the, (laughs) so that's kind of the basis of it. Uh, We had, we filed a complaint as well as a motion for a preliminary injunction. We had a hearing on the preliminary injunction in Washington, D.C., uh, the district court we filed in uh, back on the 6th of February, and we're awaiting a decision in that. She, The judge had mentioned that she this week, actually, she expected to have one out just in case whoever loses wants to file an appeal and it'd be done in a expedited manner so that the 
circuit court could hear the argument and render a decision on the preliminary injunction prior to that final rule going into effect on March 26th. So it's very well possible actually later today we may have something. There's, to my knowledge, I think there's about five cases that are out there. We were the first to file. Uh, we filed ours a couple hours after we saw that the rule had been signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was published in the Federal Register, which starts that 90-day period to when that final rule is actually effective uh, about a week and a half later. So that's kind of the basic basic stuff of the lawsuit. Um, the final rule goes into effect suit. If there's no injunction granted in our case or in any other case, final rule goes into effect March 26. By then, you either have to uh, destroy your bump stock if you possess one, or you can uh, turn it into ATS field office. Uh, otherwise, you then become in possession of a unregistered machine gun, and it's punishable by 10 years imprisonment up to $250,000 fine. Now that uh, that injunction that that basically just says, "Hey, we're going to let the legal system play." If if they if they grant the injunction says we're going to let the legal system play out, but this does not go into effect until these cases are resolved. Is that how it works? So it would be specific to the case it was filed in. So, for instance, if we are successful in getting an injunction in our case and the judge said that the government can't implement and enforce that final rule pending the outcome of the case, then it would only be for ours. So if there's another case that's happening that you know is going on longer and ours comes to an end and we're not successful, for instance – and there's an appeal taken, but it's not stayed, you know, it would have no effect on any of the other cases. If there's multiple injunctions, then, you know, it'd be, it's for that particular case, I guess is the easiest way to put it. And all an injunction does is just maintains the status quo. Mm-hmm. And in this matter, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a, a good basis for that, especially when you're talking about depriving people of their, their property uh, forever without just compensation. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you guys filed that just a couple hours, you said, after that final rule was signed by acting attorney general. How much work went into it? Obviously, you guys had already done all the work. You you at least suspected that it was going to go into place and you had done a bunch of work up front. But like, how much work actually went into getting to that point where you were just ready to file it pretty much immediately after it happened? Uh, there was a lot of hours of work that went into that. I don't know exactly how many, um, but it was something we had talked about for probably about mm, two months prior um, starting to come up with, you know, drafting the complaint, drafting the injunction, kind of gaming out what we expected it to be uh, without actually seeing it. And one of the the things, so I I think I had about four different versions of the complaint ready to go, accounting for different scenarios. And it was just a matter of, okay, when this gets published, we got to look at it and see, you know, like did, did, um, Whitaker sign it versus uh, Rod Ronstein, the assistant attorney general at the time did, you know, was this in there? Was that in there? So I think I had about four different versions of it ready to go for that. And our, our injunction, the motion for our preliminary injunction was more limited in scope. So I didn't have to prepare a number of different versions, but you kind of, I guess the easiest way to describe it was you kind of start with the broadest stuff and then you hack it down into more minute things or, or finite, if you will. But there was, there was a lot of work put in on the front end. Uh, we had drafted a comment on behalf of Firearms Policy Coalition in opposition to the proposed rule. So we already had a lot of the material there in, in some ways. Makes sense. Is this the biggest case your firm has been involved in? Uh, it's not, I don't know if I'd say it's the biggest, but it's certainly one of the bigger ones. I guess I'm going to keep going down this path just a little bit because I find it very, very interesting. Now, the Firearms Policy Coalition, they basically hired 
Prince Law and Consulting. Is that, am I getting that right? So it's Firearms Industry Consulting Group is a division of uh, civil rights defense firm, which is now the holder of that. It used to be Prince Law. Uh, Josh started his own law firm, civil rights defense firm. So it's just kind of switched umbrellas, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then why do you think that they, they, they picked you guys to do it? Uh, we had already worked with them ahead of time on the, the notice of proposed rulemaking. So we already had a good relationship with them. They knew, I mean, they saw the quality of our work and, and liked it. Do you think you would run for the board for Firearms Policy Coalition? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> what outcome do you expect? I mean, I, I know which one we want, but which one do you expect? At least we'll just say for the injunction. Yeah. You know, again, I, I, I'm, I might be biased. Um, I think that there's a decent chance we'll obtain one. Um, but that said, you know, obviously it's not me that has to be convinced. It's the judge. And, you know, she, during, during oral argument, she was very fair. She asked very pointed questions to everybody. Uh, so I didn't get the impression that she had already made up her mind. Uh, she asked me some very tough questions. She asked the government attorney some very tough questions. And I think she was genuinely trying to understand the issues that were before her and things that she didn't get or gather from our briefs. She certainly was trying to clarify during oral argument. So I was, I was very impressed with her. I thought no matter the outcome of this, I feel that we got a very fair shake in front of her. Interesting. What kind of the complicated questions uh, did she ask her? What, what was like one of the hardest ones that she asked and how did you answer? If you're allowed to say. I'm not really going to go into it right now, but it was, it was, there were some technical things that were brought up and then just questions about ATF's ability to interpret things or not interpret things, stuff like that. Very cool, man. That's pretty awesome. Ava, I don't know if you have any further questions about that case or anything. I, I'm waiting with bated breath and Adam, if it's okay, if, if that does come down like today or something, we'd totally love to kind of get a reaction from you to publish in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, uh, like I said, we got to wait to see what the court does, but. Yeah, totally. So much waiting. Well, let's move on into your influencer status. Yeah, the legal brief. Okay. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) What is it? What is it? (laughs) Uh, That is a weekly show on the Gun Collective. The whole idea behind it was to kind of just give people information as to the status of the law as to – it originally started with – I was was fed up with just bad information being out there. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, having especially worked in a gun shop, hearing people repeat myths and things like that, I posted something about it on Facebook, how I was fed up about it. And John said, hey, I have an idea. And the like a week later, we were filming the first episode. So originally, the idea behind the show was to dissect federal firearms law and do it in a manner that was easy for lay people to understand because I mean, to be perfectly candid, there's times I got to read things a couple different times before I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so to try and make it easy to digest somewhat fun in the process because legal stuff, admittedly, unless you're interested in it can be very boring. And it from there kind of transpired into, all right, well now we're talking about state bills or proposed laws, things like that. Um, because there's only so many laws on the book, fortunately. So it's, it's been well received. Uh, people tell me that uh, one, I guess one of the most humbling things about it is when people come up to me at events and say, Hey, um, I watch you. I'm like, Oh, cool. Uh, you know, that awesome. But when they tell me, Hey, I learned something from you or I took that information and I shared it with somebody to teach them what is right. That to me means the world that mm-hmm. makes all the time I put into it worth my time. 
Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of work, right? Like it's not just, Hey, I'm going to just go stand up there and talk, you know, free flow for a couple of minutes. It's, there's a lot of production work that goes into it, right? Oh my God. I spend, depending on the issue, I mean, I'd say on average, I probably spend about an hour writing each episode. Then I go over and we, we read through it. And then if there's questions or if something, you know, is worded a little too complicated, we, we tweak it, the script a little bit, and then we go film. And at this point, we're putting the outtakes, some of them anyway, on the end. So it's not, it's by no means a, you know, however long that episode is plus 20 minute uh, ordeal. Like there's a lot of time that goes into it. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. I actually, I I really love it. And I know other people do as well. It's just kind of educating yourself on that, but you do it in a fun way. What is it like smashing the myths or whatever as you pound? Is it crushing or smashing? I can't remember. Yeah, crush the the (laughs) myths and misinformation. And that, that got out of hand. You know, there was somebody who put in the comment section that, you know, I hate that you do it. It makes me not want to watch it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to double down on this. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> Adam, how long have you been doing that? I think it's going into its third year now. There's a, I think we just filmed like episode 115. What? Maybe it's going in. Well, that, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, you're never going to run out of material for it. Well, you know, that's, that, that's kind of something that I said, I, you know, like, obviously I'm, I'm not happy that anti-gun bills are being proposed by the, you know, metric dump truck load, but at the same time, it, it makes it easier for content right now. Uh, cause there was, there were some times, honestly, where it was starting to get hard to find things to talk about that weren't super complicated or mm-hmm. weren't so totally narrow in scope that it was you know relative to like this individual's question mm-hmm. and that's never been the point of the show it's been to answer anybody's legal question pertinent to them it's always been about general information right which definitely makes a lot of sense we're going to take a quick break and hear from our buddies at hackett equipment hackett equipment if you guys don't follow them on instagram you what do you what do you do with your lives you, you should. should yeah and then also, if you do gun shows or if you have a store or something like that, you should perhaps consider becoming a dealer and selling their bags. I mean, I know a few people that are doing it and they're pretty happy doing it. So if you're interested, uh, just contact Greg over at HackitEquipment.com. And if you guys are interested in buying any of their bags, use the code GUNFUNNY20 and that gets you 20% off. Exactly. All right. I kind of want to change this, the pace of things and talk about the NRA. Which I'm sure at this point, Adam, you're probably tired of talking about the NRA. I'm over it, but if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Well, first off, you're running for board of directors. Uh, Yes. Again? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Adam? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) He mad. (laughs) Do you you hear me? (laughs) Yeah, you just, you uh, cut out. You were really... I said yes. <laughs> okay, we just wanted to make sure that we heard that correctly. Okay, so running for board of directors, there's 75 board of director seats, and then there's a 76th that they elect every year or that the members elect every year at the uh, NRA annual meetings. You have previously run and not been successful so far, and I understand, man, this this has to take a lot out of you, like an incredible amount just in, in the effort and the hours and, and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to like, just, you know, talk about that and, you know, what, what is the toll that that takes and further, you know, you clearly must believe that it's the right thing to do and that it's worth all the effort and energy and just, you know, everything else, the baggage that comes along with that. 
Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. And I also want to add that even though we laughed about it just previously that you're running again, I personally do admire like the fact that you're not giving up. So I just want to put that out there too. So it makes me never want to actually run for any kind of real political office. (laughs) Understood. Uh, I, I never thought it would be like it is. I guess the, maybe it makes sense to start from the beginning. So the whole way it even came about was I was at the Great American Outdoor Show. There were two directors walking around that came up, said hi, and, you know, said, we really like what you're doing. And they gave me their contact information. So I, you know, sent an email following up just saying, hey, it was nice to meet you. And one of them reached back out and said, hey, you know, I think you would be a good addition to the board. I think you bring some traits that are, are needed. Okay. So that resulted in a bunch of conversations over the next couple of months where, you know, after I ultimately decided, okay, I'll, I'll give this thing a, a whirl. And so I decided to treat it like a political campaign because, let's face it, not very many people knew who I was. I still don't think a lot of people know who I am. I don't have a, a big head or anything. But, you know, okay, well, I guess then I need a way to get my message out. So I treated it like a political campaign. I said, you know, these are issues with the organization. And it wasn't more so at that point, it wasn't really these are issues. It was just these are things I would like to see the NRA do. I've always tried to throughout this entire process never bash the organization. I think constructive criticism is absolutely fair game. It's the only way any organization gets better. Uh, but I think everything, at least from my perspective that I said, has always been in the vein of like, you know, there's, there's validity to it. And while I may acknowledge some negative things that the organization has either done or is doing, I've also been very cognizant as to the things that the organization does very well and that are very good. So, you know, the first year was a real eye-opening experience. Uh, a lot of people couldn't believe I lost. And it, for me, it wasn't really difficult to see why, you know, just because I was all over social media where you may have seen me doesn't mean the person who gets the magazine who's a voting member had any idea who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also ran by petition, which, you know, admittedly is probably a strike against you depending upon what side of the fence you sit on. So I gave it a shot at the annual meeting for that one-year term. I lost by, I think it was like 76 votes the first year. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I, I gave them a run for their money. And the the funny part about it all was that I had like a ragtag group of volunteers that more or less came and went as they pleased. There was one person who stood out there all day Saturday for me, uh, and that was my boss at the law firm. But otherwise, it, my deal with everybody, and even him, was it's your time here at the annual meeting. You spend it how you want. If you want to hang out here and pass out stuff and try to get people to vote for me, cruel if you don't you want to go walk around do that you know no hard feelings on my end they had i think by the saturday i think they had 15 people standing out there handing out stuff for their candidate um (laughs) so yeah i mean to to make them work that hard for it was was just glorious some ways ways funny ultimately i did lose and i guess if you're looking at from that perspective losing is losing and winning is winning but they certainly didn't get you know handed it on a silver platter uh, so I gave it a shot again a, a second year. Um, same kind of thing, you know, just talking about things I want to see the organization do. Ran at the annual meeting last year with the same kind of deal, and I lost again. I think it was by like 80-some votes. And so uh, here I am this year. I originally wasn't going to do it, and then after kind of some ways felt obligation to all those people who put a lot of their time and effort behind me, I uh, decided I would give it one more shot here and uh, see what happens. It's never been about me getting a seat on the board as much as I want to see the organization succeed. And at the end of the day, if that happens just by me having started a conversation that somebody else picks up the ball and runs with, like, cool, I've done my done my little part in this then. 
for me, that's the ultimate goal here. Yeah. I would like to talk about some things that, and it might be a little bit uncomfortable and you're not obligated to answer any of this stuff, but I think that running for the NRA board is a very interesting, um, it's an interesting dance that you kind of have to do. Uh, last year, especially it was very much, uh, bull cut Marion hammer called you enemy within in an article on Amaland, I believe it was last year. And you guys kind of took that mantle, but I think there's a couple different things going on here. A, this new generation, this next generation of gun owners that are coming up and, you know, looking at memes and stuff like that. They're pretty down on the NRA. They're generally not members of the NRA. And if they are members, they generally don't donate to the ILA or, you know, the, the places where the money goes to actually fight for rights and lobbying and all that good stuff. You've got them. And then you've got the kind of older generation that are with the NRA, you know, um, life members, things like that. Just, uh, don't care a whole lot about bump stocks think, well, you know, they were, it was used in a horrible crime. So why, why don't we? outlaw that and kind of move on forward. And you've got both those groups and they're really fractured and the people online, like we all love you. I literally just sent off my ballot the other day and I bullet voted for one person, Adam Kraut. But it's really hard to break into that kind of that other group. And do you think that wearing the mantle of enemy within and publicizing it so much actually hurt you with that crew? Yeah, possibly. Uh, for those that, again, for those that may have seen it, um, there were others that no, not so much. You know, I was walking around SHOT Show, I think it might have been last year, and there's a bunch of people from, I guess, that age group, if you will, the older age group that came up to me and said, hey, you know, we really like what you're doing. We support you. We, we think the organization has to change. And one of the things I've noticed about this has been that it has been a whole wide swath of people, as far as age, at least. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm probably more popular with a younger demographic but uh, there have been people that are admittedly in the older uh, age segment that have been very supportive of me as well. And I don't, you know, as to your question for, about the enemy within thing, that was so insulting, not just to me, because I, t I took it a little personally, but I also was offended for everybody that took the time to sign a petition for me and support me because essentially what she had said in that was that none of those people were qualified to determine who was a good candidate for the board. Only the nominating committee could possibly make such an important decision. And that's just a crock of crap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had to go out there and prove my worth to these people. It's not like I just said, Hey, sign this and people signed it. Like people, obviously something I was saying was resonating with them. And for her to do that was just, beyond the pale offensive. So yeah, I took that. I, I I don't think I could have paid a marketing firm, quite honestly, to come up with something better than that to just kind of run with. So yeah, I, you know, I, I wore it like a badge of honor. I made a bunch of stickers for the annual meeting this past year that I hand wrote the enemy within and I handed them all out to people. I think it was about <laughs> 200 because handwriting gets really tiring after a while. Yep. <laughs> but the idea behind that was to personify that whole enemy within thing. Like you're calling that dude who's a member an enemy. You're calling that person an enemy. You're calling that woman an enemy. And yet we're all members of the organization. We just might disagree as to some of the things it's done, but ultimately we all want it to succeed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think that's the part that's most bothersome to me, you know, especially with all the time I've dumped into this, you have other people that are just screaming, burn it to the ground, burn it to the ground. Like the reality is you're not going to burn the NRA to the ground. I'm sorry. Let's say there's 
a hundred thousand people who are pissed off. Hell, give it half a million. I don't know, even a million. NRA claims they have five point five million members. So what? We're down to four and a half. You think the organization's going to stop getting donations because you're all pissed off about it? Sorry, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And the NRA is the only organization, as far as lobbying and things like that, that really is recognized by politicians as as a general whole. You know, obviously, I'm very supportive of Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, Second Amendment Foundations, another one that in the litigation realm, I think they're, you know, unmatched. But when it comes to lobbying and recognition, like it's NRA and that's it. And what these people all forget or don't recognize is that in addition to the lobbying stuff, NRA has a bunch of programs that none of these organizations have. They have training programs that are designed to teach basic firearm safety to people. They have training programs that are designed to teach basic shooting skills to people. Yeah, it's not like taking a course with, I don't know, pick your favorite tactical trainer. But it's what I would say probably the vast majority of people out there looking for gun stuff are looking at. Like, how do I use this thing in a safe manner? You know, let's let's be honest about that. They have grant programs. Like, I learned to shoot in Boy Scouts. I sit on the shooting sports committee for my local scout council. NRA gives them five grand every year. And that money goes to buying rifles, buying ammunition for the kids so that they can shoot. And that's how I ended up having a love for guns. Like I grew up in a house where there weren't guns. So there's all these other things that go on in the background, the lobbying and and political posturing aside that none of these other organizations provide. Mm -hmm. Uh, or at least not on the scale NRA does. And I, I think to just kind of be like, well, we need to get rid of it is the wrong attitude to take. Having said all that, if you're not happy with the NRA, as I'm obviously not, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this, you can, you know, certainly donate money to other organizations. You can certainly be members of other organizations. You don't have to, no, I'm, I've never told people that you need to support NRA blindly. I think that's just as foolish as saying burn it to the ground. I think you need to look at things from a, a very realistic standpoint and say, okay, well, maybe I don't support them on this issue, but I'll remain a member and I will participate in you know elections or what have you. And in the meantime, I will donate my money over here. And the other thing I've told people is that if that's in fact what you're going to do, tell the board of directors that. You know, if you're letting your membership lapse before it lapses, tell the board of directors because you need a membership number in order to do that. If you're going to donate money to other organizations, tell the board of directors, you know, tell them that you're donating X amount of dollars to the other organization and here's why, or you're joining this other organization and here's why. It seems stupid, especially in the, with social media, but the reality is like a lot of them don't look at the comments on social media. So if you want to get it in front of them, send it to them. Very, very well put. Mm-hmm. You definitely uh, just re-earned my vote. And I, you know, like I said, I already voted for you, but that was just that people need to hear that stuff. Mm-hmm. This whole burn it to the ground thing. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. That's not how it works. Like we've got activism and advocacy. We've got lobbying. And when those two things fail, we've got litigation. But I'll tell you right now, Ava can, can as well, that we still have 15 round mag limits in Colorado because the first two things failed and then litigation failed as well. So you know, it, it's tough and I do think it's important and I think the NRA is still incredibly important. But it is very frustrating. It is. Yeah. So frustrating. Adam, what made you decide to run again this year? 
Uh, like I kind of alluded to earlier, it was, it was mostly out of felt obligation. It, what was incredible to me over the, the first two years especially was uh, really the first year, but even into the second year, the number of people that came up to me or sent me emails or, or something that said that, hey, you know, I joined the NRA as a life member just to vote for you. That's not an insignificant sum of money, even even when the memberships are on sale. Yeah. And that was kind of that was really eye opening to me that all these people believe so much in what I was saying that they were willing to part with that amount of money just to cast a, a vote for me. Knowing that and I'd been very upfront about the fact that, like, you know, the board's huge. I'm not going to walk in there and change things by myself. And that's something that I've never once proclaimed. I've always said that, you know, these are things I think the organization should be doing or looking at. It's never been that I'm going to go become a board member and then this is going to happen because that would be a foolish thing to think. You know, I hope that I know, I know for a fact there are board members that agree with me. There are board members that do it somewhat more publicly than others. There are some that are afraid, if you will, to speak out against the status quo there are board members who hate me and then there's probably board members who have no idea who, who I am. And that's fine. You know, I, I'm willing to give people a chance. I hope that that same kind of thought can be reciprocated to me, but I, I certainly don't have any expectations that if I get elected, I'm going to walk in there and be like, all right, guys, you've been doing this wrong for the last 20 years. Here's what you need <laughs> okay. to do. And they're, Oh, okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> because even if you win, I mean, honestly, you, because of the firebrand that you've become for this younger generation, they're going to throw you on crappy committees, if if any, and, if any, yep. and 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 bury you in just you know nonsense and things like that. And that's why we need to get more people in there to change the status quo. That's why it's so incredibly important. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I've been saying to people is that not only do you need to uh, be be participating in it, but you guys also need to be looking for the next person. Because I'm not going to do it by myself, and it's not going to happen overnight either, especially with the size of that board. But the reality is, is that the more people you can encourage to run by petition of the members that share a similar view, the more that you can help spread awareness about these people, the better chance over time you'll be able to fix some of this stuff. So I um just for people who are listening, and if they don't know, how can they vote for you? You need to, there's a couple things. So ballots are, have been mailed out in the February issue of the NRA magazine to which you're subscribed. If you get a magazine, if you don't get a magazine and you're a digital subscriber, you opt not to get one at all. It should have arrived by now, I would say, in a white envelope from the uh, firm that is a third party that does the ballot counting. If you're, you need to be a voting member. So it's a life member or an annual member of the past five consecutive years. If you are one of those and you still don't have a ballot, I would tell you call membership services, have them check and see uh, as to, you know, where your ballot is. They'll probably tell you to call over to the secretary's office, but they'll give you that information. And then that's how you vote. You have a mail ballot. It's got to be returned by April 7th. If it's not returned or received by the 7th, rather, uh, it doesn't count. Make sure you sign the envelope. It gets sent back in. Yes, you got to fold it in like this three-part origami type thing to stick it in that envelope. It's stupid, it, I know. It is so weird. Um, yeah, it, it's it's beyond dumb, but just do it. Uh, complain about it on the internet later, and that's you know that's pretty much it. Yeah, it, mine was weird. I, I do get the magazine, even though I've said I don't want the magazine every single year. Uh, but my ballot showed up about two weeks after I got my magazine, just as a standalone piece of mail. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of interesting. It's interesting. I don't yeah, think I've gotten, weird. I haven't gotten mine. 
Yeah. But I did, I have like completely opted out of any mail. It doesn't say NRA on it. It says like Delot and it's like some firm. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's Delot and like Toolit or something like that. Uh, it's like, it's DNT though. Great. I know that much. Great. So I probably threw it away. Oh yeah, it does say it says DNT on it. Um, D ampersand T and it just came in a plain white envelope. That's <laughs> it. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to have to contact member services. Yep. Absolutely. Eight, uh, Adam, there's a Radian and Noveski, uh rally or something going on in Oregon. Oregon, what is that? Yeah, so uh, there's a Senate bill that's been proposed out in Oregon that actually the legal brief this week was on. So I would tell you go check it out. But the quick rundown of it is it's terrible for gun over, gun owners. It bans us, uh, you know, assault weapon quote assault weapons, large capacity mag. They're trying to put a five round mag limit. It would require a background check for ammunition transfers, and you'd be able to get up to thirty round, uh, twenty rounds every thirty days, with the exception being ammunition purchased at like a shooting range to shoot there. So it's just loaded with all kinds of bad things. So one of the things that I was really impressed in, and surprised in some ways about was that uh, both Radian Weapons and Noveski, who are Oregon-based companies, said, "Yeah, we're not, we're not doing this nonsense," uh, and have put together a rally on March 23rd to protest this and, you know, show support for gun owners and hopefully generate interest in the gun owning community in Oregon to be involved politically and tell the, their senators, you know, no, no way. Don't you dare do this. Radian. I don't know if there's any left at the time that this is, this will be airing, but on their website, Radian was selling special edition Raptor charging handles that come with a matching uh, safety selector. They're 200 bucks. 100% of the proceeds go to this rally. If I understand correctly, and I'm, I'm working off memory here, I think they're working on trying to organize buses and things like that. So Radiant has pledged up to $100,000 to do this. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not aware of any other company, at least as of recently, that's done anything like this or companies. Uh, so for me, it was really awesome to see that companies in the state that's being affected are putting their skin in the game. Yeah. And I'll actually be out there. Uh, they asked me to come out and speak, so I'm going to go do that. Uh, so I'll be out there on the 23rd uh, speaking about something. I love it, man. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, I mean, if, if you're within driving distance, go. Yeah, I'm on their website. They still have some. It's uh, Defend the Second. Very cool. So this will come out in just a couple of days, so. Hopefully there's still some out there, but if not, just, uh, you know, go support them. Uh, I wonder if there's any other way to support them besides buying those. Yeah, but still, that's actually really cool that they're doing that. It's, no, I'm going awesome. to post it right now on social media. Yeah, I absolutely love that. All right, let's, uh, let's get close to wrapping this thing up. But first off, I want to know three things. Are you a deadhead? What's going on with your socks? And why do you have an unnatural affinity for flamingos? So many questions. <laughs> yes. My, I don't know what's going on with my socks, but yeah, I have a bunch of goofy socks that I wear to, uh, you know, court, uh, gotta keep it interesting. I love it. Uh, it's like, it's like the one way you can express yourself in a suit is rad socks and sweet ties. So uh, true. And I try to do, I try to do both. So, um, you know, what's funny, funny though, <laughs> you know, what's funny about Sean's socks. He walks around like everything is okay, but you know, deep down in his shoe, his, his sock is sliding off. <laughs> That's, that's terrible. I'm like, whatever that stealing. meme is. I, I had some socks. Like I had this, like I bought one pack of socks and they kind of just migrated through my drawer. So at different times they would just like, my sock would fall off inside my shoe. I'm like, how does that happen? I know. Especially when you have cankles. <laughs> yeah. What exactly is going on? Oh, oh that's up. what happened. It's the cankles. <laughs> it pushes them down. Didn't you have uh, a bump fire tie, a bump fire stock tie? 
Yeah, so for the the hearing on the preliminary injunction, I actually had a, a set of ties made for specifically for that. It's kind of you know just a I guess a novelty, if you will. The 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 funny thing, so I had a I had oral argument in front of the Third Circuit the day before Halloween this past year, and like I don't know two three I don't have to get dressed up for work because unless I'm in court, um, I'm either working from home or I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt to the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not wearing a suit. Like two three years ago, I bought a tie with pumpkins on it, uh, a Jerry a Jerry Garcia tie at that. Oh nice. Um, that had pumpkins on it. And I've been waiting for like two three years now to wear this thing because I've never had to go to court around that time day before Halloween. Perfect. And usually when I wear a goofy tie, somebody compliments it throughout the day. Like I started my day, I stopped at Wawa. And if you don't know what Wawa is, it's a gas station. That's a convenience store. That's kind of like a Seven Eleven, only a little better, I guess, depending upon how you feel about it. Nobody there said anything. And usually the cashier would be like, Oh, that's a sweet tie. Nope. Nothing got to the office. My boss kind of rolled his eyes. I think he was a little perturbed that I, I wasn't dressed more seriously, if you will. <laughs> So we, we drove into the city. We, we went to court, you know, stopped in the cafeteria. Nobody said anything. So it wasn't until we got in the courtroom. There were three cases being argued. There were the two we were there for. I was arguing one. He was arguing another. And then there was a case before us. The One of the attorneys and I think his client turned around before their case started. Like, oh, that's a really nice tie. Like, yes, here we go. So <laughs> oral argument goes. My boss goes during his case. I get up, I argue, sit down, government attorney argues, and I get up to give my re- my rebuttal. I reserve some time. And one of the judges, this is in front of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, the, one of the judges on the three-judge panel goes, counsel, that's a really nice tie you have on. I'm like, yes, <laughs> from the bench, on the record. Yes. I have the audio. I have the audio from this. It's so great. So I explained to the judge that, hey, you know, judge, I've been waiting like two years to wear this tie. Uh, you know, this, this made my day. There were a bunch of kids in there from, I think it was the University of Penn that were observing the proceedings that day, the, the clerks. So when arguments over, the judges would all come down and shake hands with the attorneys who argued, which I thought was a really nice touch. And as they're coming down, one of the other judges, like, I got to see this tie. And then opposing counsel's like, yeah, I got to see this tie too. And everybody wanted to see the tie. And it was, you know, my moment of fame, if you will, in the courtroom. And if that's all I'm known for, like, good, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, socks and ties. I had a sweet pair of like alien socks on. Uh, I think the brand's like socket to me or something like that. Uh, so, so you know. Yeah, if you're if you're if you have to get dressed up, find cool ties and cool socks. It's the only way to really express yourself, even if nobody else sees it. I love it, man. And what was the last question? Flamingos, dude. What the hell? Oh uh, yeah, so that shirt I saw, uh, it's by the the Roosevelts. It, it was a cool shirt. It's got flamingos on it, so I bought it because I, you know, I got to be different, I guess. And uh, <laughs> it, it was just a fun shirt to wear. So Eli Yeri. He has a Cerakote business up in uh, Montana. He does work for Falcor Defense and Zero Delta. Uh, he shot me a message that, hey, he's like, I really like that. I want to do a gun in that. I said, funny thing. I've got a gun that's been sitting here I need to build. <laughs> I'll send the stuff up to you. <laughs> uh, so he Cerakoted a, a 2A armament receiver set for me, the, you know, grips and all that stuff with the flamingo pattern on it. <laughs> it's so cool. It's it, the goofiest thing ever. And it's just awesome. I, I kind of love it. Actually, this is the first time that I'm seeing it and uh, I'm kind of in love with it as well. It's so great. I absolutely love it. It's just funky and it's, it's well, so different. It's well done though. I don't actually, I don't even think this is Adams. Oh, okay. It's well, someone else's flamingo rifle, oh, but shit. Adams is so what? Awkward. There's another flamingo rifle. Let me just <laughs> look real quick. This is really I, awkward. I know. Yeah, this is just everything is falling apart. Oh, right? Well, I really like that one. Oh yeah, it is. It's the same one. 
right? Is it? I don't know. Well, it's, does it look it's, like? Yeah, it's like the exact same. Does it, it have a gray gray stock, gray grip? It, it, does, does yours have the flamingos engraved on the magazine and the grip as well? Yeah, okay. they're not engraved. They're, they're painted, but yeah. Okay, then it's it's, a, it's, it's a the same one. B5 yeah, I'm like, I'm like, stock. well, if it's not his, somebody really r- ripped off his uh. <laughs> right. <It's> all... <laughs> yeah. We got some bad news for you. Yeah, we, we've got really, <laughs> Are you sitting down? Really bad news. Yeah, yes, actually. <laughs> Listen, you copycat. <laughs> it's just, I think it was at a different phase. Like it didn't have, uh, I think, a light on the front of it. But Oh, yeah, it was that light. But we saw the uh, other. It's, it's, <laughs> it's probably a D ball. Does it have the like the Magpul, gold Magpul on it now? Uh, no, this picture is does not have the gold Magpul thing. Oh, I don't know then. Yeah, Whatever. and it I'll looks like it, to you. it also looks like the, the little that. foregrip on it. Yeah, who knew is, that? Uh, gold, or no, it's blue uh, on this orange. one. Orange. It's blue on that one. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that's my gun. Okay, okay good. Gosh, that was the, that was about to get like dilemma solved. I know you were about to bench made yourself enough mm-hmm. to sue somebody for copyright infringement. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> gonna get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. So what? What's next? What's coming? What's coming up for you? Hmm, I don't know. Dinner, maybe. All right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, other than Oregon, I don't, uh, NRA annual meeting, I'll be there, uh, one way or another, whether I'm sitting on the board or whether I'm just going to see people and have fun, uh, I'll be there. I don't know. I'd like to try and get some backpacking in this year, but I don't have any concrete plans as of right now. Maybe TriggerCon again. Very cool. I, I think I'm going to try to go to TriggerCon this year for sure. Mm-hmm. I heard good things about it. Yeah. It seems like it's a yeah, time. It's a neat little event. I mean, it's certainly, it's by no means anywhere near the scale of NRA or, or shot show. I mean, nothing's near shot show, but it's, it was well done. I was, I was impressed with what John Wang at Rainier Arms was doing with it. He had a lot of vendors that he works very closely with that were there. The local pot, you know, I talked to a bunch of people that came. They came from all over the general area to it. It's the only thing that's kind of in that area of the country. And I think over time, you'll see that get a little bigger. So I, I was impressed with it. And, you know, as with all these events, my favorite part is obviously getting to see people I see only a few times a year. So, mm-hmm. but it, it was good. I, I was really impressed with it. Where can people find links to all the stuff that you do? Oh, man. AdamKraut.com. You can follow me and my dogs on Instagram at TheAdamKraut. Uh, Facebook.com slash TheAdamKraut. And it's TheAdamKraut because Adam Kraut was already taken. That dirty bastard. Yeah, not, and I didn't want to do like the real Adam Kraut. <laughs> Adam Kraut actual. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I should do the unreal Adam Kraut. <laughs> right? There, there you go, man. I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Q. All right. So I was there and just got back last night. I bet your arms are tired. Uh, yeah, just so much flying. It's crazy. <laughs> I want to talk about the Erector. Uh, one of the things that I saw there. I've and, got one right now. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so it's made out of uh, 10 aircraft-grade aluminum baffles, uh, a mount and a front cap, and then stainless steel baffle or blast baffle, and that's like the serialized part. There's no outer tube. The entire thing only weighs 2.6 ounces. It's like super freaking light. The entire thing with all 10 baffles. And what's really cool about it is you can use all of the baffles or just one. And, um, really easy to connect and remove. You just use these like little, they're actually plastic. It's like a plastic tool, these little like claw things. And, um, yeah, so I, I really like those. I just had the best idea ever. If you really, uh, more than anything else in the universe, just want to flex on the pores, just buy this and literally just run the serialized part, which I imagine doesn't 
provide any sound decrease at all. Uh, did it? Did you really? That's so awesome. Did it? Did it on my Beretta Twenty One A. I see you flexing on the pores. Do, do tell. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I have an Erector. It's uh sitting over at John's house right now, actually, because it's still in NFA hell, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, I br- I brought over my Beretta Twenty One A, and uh, yeah, I have that Gemtech pill bottle, so. Like, oh, you know, this thing we can make super short too, so let's do that. So we huh. did. Uh and then we we put it on the full length on my Volkortzen and uh it's it's super quiet. Like <laughs> when you have all ten of those baffles on there, that thing is just gnarly how quiet it is. It's such a cool can. I love that. That's so awesome. Live Q or die, you can find out all the details and uh, even order one, I assume, if if you want to. hmm Yeah, they should be in stock. All right. And they also sponsor our knowledge bomb segment. Dropping wisdom, slinging truth, prepare yourself for Knowledge Bomb. Oh yeah. Ava, Sounds so scary. What do we have tonight? Alright, so Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, Jesus, Jackie Chan used to carry multiple guns and even a grenade to protect himself and other artists from the triad in the 80s and 90s. So triad, uh, famous Japanese gang, seriously, serious underworld stuff. I couldn't actually prove this because all the links that actually were used as sources were gone, but I just thought it was so cool. I don't care if it's true or not. Yeah, I'm going to start carrying a grenade around. Whoa. Just in case. Dude, how cool would that be? (laughs) Oh, just for, just you're preventative all coming measures. with me. <laughs> oh, you want my wallet? Hold on one second. Grenade, bitch. <laughs> Catch. <laughs> exactly. In the 1920s and 30s, a famous Texas Ranger owned a set of pistols with no triggers. The guns are fired by cocking and releasing the hammers. Yeah, this is actually pretty cool. This was a dude named uh, Manuel Trezazas. He was called the lo- uh, Manuel Trezazas Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Uh, he was called the Lone Wolf. He was the first Hispanic uh, descent Texas Ranger that was out there. And he had a couple of uh, very, very customized single action armies that had no triggers. And he would just, uh, you actuated the hammer to, to fire the gun, which I thought was pretty dang cool. Um, started out as a Texas Ranger on horseback and he combated bootlegging, bank robberies, narcotics, trafficking, and prostitution. Hmm. Um, pretty cool. And he was, he was actually totally known for having these really extravagant engravings and everything on his pistols. So I where, think- where are they now? I don't know. I'm like, I want to see one. I know. I know. I couldn't find anything on on if they still existed or anything else like that. Or even pictures. There's no pictures. Nope. Uh, all right. So the company Daisy Outdoor Products sold windmills and gave complimentary BB guns with every purchase. The BB guns became so popular that they stopped selling windmills and started selling BB guns. Yep. I actually looked that up. Uh, this company was formed That's- in 1882 <laughs> as the Plymouth Iron Windmill Company. They manufactured steel windmills. And then in 1888, they basically, they, they swapped over to start doing BB guns, but they just started as a sales promotion, like buy a windmill, get a BB gun, which I think is pretty awesome. I think, wasn't that my dad's first gun? Remember when I had him on for the first show and he, I was interviewing him and he got that and he shot it in the museum. He definitely had a Red Rider BB gun. Uh, that's. No, I think it was a Daisy. 
Yeah, yeah, which is it's Daisy. Uh, their Red Rider is like the model number or whatever. Oh. Uh, I don't know if it was the original one or what their original ones were, but the Red Rider is absolutely... Suddenly, I'm like having flashbacks. I just remember, I'm like, Dad, I'm not even wearing eye protection. <laughs> and know. he's just going to shoot it. I'm like, yeah, it's going to like literally like bounce off something, hit me in the face, and this is how I lose an eye. Yeah. It's so funny, though. They just like, oh, they're like, oh, if people like these BB guns. We're going to make these from now on. And then they pivoted and Daisy's yeah, so outdoor weird. product's still around today. Very cool. Uh, Russian astronauts take guns into space to protect themselves against bears if they land off course. So I was definitely curious about this one. So I actually went and looked it up and it, it exists. It's the TP-82 cosmonaut survival rifle. It was a result basically. Uh, so there was a cosmonaut named Alexei Leon- Leonov and he was stranded in the Siberian wilderness when his capsule malfunctioned. He only had a nine millimeter pistol with him and he was like, yeah, this is not going to be any good against Siberian wildlife like bears and wolves and stuff like that. Okay, FUD. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wouldn't. Not with a bear. So they came up with the TP-82, which is a, it's like, it's a break action. It's got three barrels on it. It has two shotgun barrels that shoot 12.5 by 70 millimeter, which is basically 28 gauge ammunition and then a lower rifle barrel that uh, shoots 5.45 by 39 millimeter ammunition it has a big lever on the side that you open the brake action but it also has a little bit of a stock and the stock is wrapped in canvas because the stock can also be taken off and used as a machete wow yeah i think that's pretty have you ever seen one of those adam like pictures or anything no i haven't but that i i wouldn't be want to be stuck in siberia either no oh, right with, no. With, with or without a gun yeah like, no kidding I just use the gun to off myself like, well there's no coming back from this <laughs> exactly Saw space. What else is there to do? <laughs> right. Bucket list is complete. So they actually quit sending these to space with Russian cosmonauts in 2007. So it hasn't even been that long since they stopped. <laughs> wow. Pretty dang cool. Because they were landing in other countries. <laughs> <It's a> foreign <laughs> invasion. <laughs> exactly. I've seen Red Dawn. I know how this goes. <laughs> but yeah, that'll do it for our knowledge bomb today. And uh, up next. Matador Arms. Absolutely. Matador Arms. Adam, do you have an SKS? No. Okay, I'm just wondering. I don't either, no. but I really want I have an AK-47, but not a SKS. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're they're a lot more popular in uh, in Canada. But Matador Arms, if you guys do have an SKS, we do know some people. Uh, they make a lot of uh, cool parts for it, a uh, nice chassis. Yep. All kinds of stuff. Well, the, yeah, so they've got the, the Sabertooth. They've got... Uh, extended magazine releases they've got full optics rails they've got a scout rail so if you have a a, an optic like a red dot or something with really long eye relief you can set up a scout setup with it muzzle brakes and all kinds of other stuff so go check out all the stuff that they have at matadorarms.com and i'm pretty sure there's a coupon code uh are you sure just kidding there is oh i was like wait did i just have a stroke it's gun funny 10 and that gets you 10 percent off and they also sponsor our prank call segment this is my favorite It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Hi, uh, my name is Brittany. I'm a, what they call a plus-size model, and I'm looking for a plate carrier, but <laughs> they only cover like a very small portion of my chest. I weigh about 500 pounds. So do you guys have anything that's like, you know, bigger? You're talking body armor? Yeah. No, I don't have any of that here. Do you know where I could get some? Boy, right around here locally, I don't. I could probably, I can order it, but uh, it'd take me a while to figure out where all, who all carried it and what we, what hmm. we needed. 
Yeah, because I have one. I ordered it off of uh, Cheaper Than Dirt, and it's like, it was super small. And I normally wear a 5XL shirt. They didn't have anything bigger. Uh, I only seen like the one size. I don't know if they carried anything bigger, so I was wondering if you did. Nope, I don't. Aww, I'm sad now. Well, I'll bet you if a guy searches it, you'll find some out there. Did you just They'll assume my gender? Back, that'd be a plus. It's ma'am. <laughs> Why does that sound so weird? I don't, I don't think it recorded that way, but it seems really fast. I don't know. Like there's no pauses. Yeah, I don't know. What did you do? I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, it's still funny. That is the last prank call that we have with our Patreon, Tate. So uh-huh. we're going to have to get him back in the studio because he was pretty good. It was pretty funny. I totally agree. Yeah. All right, next up. Polymer 80. Yeah. Oh, actually, Adam, you've built Polymer 80s before. You've put them together? Yeah, I have. You um, you made the one with like a, I think it had like a really long slide or something. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, I, I had, uh, I've got two of the frames sitting here. I got the, I don't remember what the model numbers are. Uh, actually, I, I think the back, I have a box in front of me. I have the PF940C and then I think I have the. Like a 17 uh, slide whatever, or one's something. One's Glock 19 size and the other's Glock 17 slide with a 19 size grip. Nice. Um, so I, I took the latter one. And I have a 17L because I like to flex on the pores. And I took the <laughs> uh, upper off that and put it on that and posted it on the internet to make people kind of be like, oh, and it worked. Totally worked. Right. It totally I, I really liked it, actually. <laughs> I'm like, I would own it. <laughs> I, I still haven't shot it, but uh, I, I'll, I'll get around to doing that. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I know. Yeah. yeah uh, hey, look what I built. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, how was your experience with building one? Uh, you know, we, I used the, uh, uh, mini mill to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was super easy. I know that people are out there doing it with like Dremels and hand drills and all kinds of other things. So the instructions are very clear. There's not a whole lot of work involved. Just as with everything, you know, measure twice, cut once, take your time. But I'm very happy with it. And the one thing I, I will say for those guys, I mean, they're super friendly. I know Alex over there. They're all, they're all great guys, but. Their frames, are, they're just very comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Glock, I know that apparently everything you do is perfect, but um, really, come on, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of people that prefer the Polymer 80 frames to Glock because of that angle. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you guys want to check them out, Polymer80.com, use the code GUNFUNNY. That gets you 10% off. Definitely. And it is time for some gear talk. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So as I said earlier, I just got back from New Hampshire. Uh, I think I got back at like 12 o'clock last night. Then I did a workout class. So I'm kind of like dragging a little bit. But I went there to visit Q. And I got to say, like, I really enjoyed my time there. Adam, I know that you were there, I don't know how long ago, but you also built the fix, which is why I went there. And uh, I don't know what your experience was, but I thought it was a really awesome time, like really cool atmosphere, really liked the, even just the place that kind of reminded me of kind of like a Google or like Apple headquarters, like the way that everything was set up. So when I normally tour a place, I always like check out to see how the employees are reacting towards their boss or managers. And you can kind of get like a feel for that. But everyone got along really well. There wasn't like at one point we're all just like sitting around drinking beers, you know, just kind of and it was and it's just like I would actually like to work there. I don't think I'm smart enough to work there. I'm not an engineer, but 
it was just a really cool place. Like I really just liked the dynamics of everything and everyone there is extremely brilliant. Like just even from like their intern to the person that helped me drew who helped me put the fix together. Um, just talking to them. It's just, you realize like just how brilliant they are and all the factors that go into designing these things and trying to eliminate, you know, weight. Cause everything that they have is like super lightweight, which, you know, a lot of companies are doing, but unless they're like skeletonizing something, they haven't really figured out how to make things as lightweight as Q has. So I really think it's just really just innovation at its finest. What were your thoughts about the the experience, Adam? I, my, my first time up at Q, I, I went once before, before I actually went up there to build the gun. So I got to meet everybody and it was kind of my introduction to everyone up there. And they were all very friendly people. As they've said, they're all, they're all very smart. And since that trip and, and over the course of time, I, I became friends with Kevin and, uh, Ethan up there, but uh, in particular, Kevin Brittingham, who, you know, was one of the owners of the company and the guy who kind of started it all. So he invited me up to come build a fix, which I, I went up to do. And I gotta say, it was, it was an awesome experience. So they have a, they have a program going on. Their, their guns are currently all on back order. You can get a bump in the line if you go to build your own. And they have people who fly in from all over. And when I was talking to Kevin last, he said, you know, people came from like California, as far away as California to come build a gun. The cool part about it is that not only do you get to, you know, see Q's spot, it actually used to be a fashion studio and it's, it's kind of, I guess, Google or Apple-esque or like a, a, almost like a, a software development company type atmosphere where it's just, it's got a lot of fun stuff in there. There's arcade machines for the kids. Uh, you know, people can bring their kids to work. There, there's all kinds of neat things in, in the building, but you get to go, you get to meet everybody and then you get to actually build a gun with one of the people who helped design it. So when I went to build my fix, uh, I built mine with Nick and Nick was like the head engineer of that gun. So mm-hmm. I, I like putting things together to begin with. And, and that was neat to, you know, somebody was like, okay, well this goes here and this, but not only did that happen during the process, which, you know, it's kind of like, duh, but there was a lot of conversation as to when we designed this, this is some of the issues we face. This is how we overcame those issues. This is why we did it that way. This is what makes it better than things that are currently on the market. Yeah. And to have that kind of experience with the person who was in charge or, or a big part of designing the gun you're actually building, like that's really cool. Where else can you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was, you know, in addition to already being friends with a lot of the people there, that was a really cool aspect of it. I'm planning on going up to build a honey badger at some point. I just got to figure out when I can get up there to do that. But it's it, it's super rad. Uh, and they it's something that they really enjoy doing. I know other customers who have gone up to do it all had a great time doing it as well. Uh, and I, I really like my fix. I built mine in 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, mine has a 20-inch barrel. It's a Bartline barrel. It was one that's not a production barrel. So they, they're using, I think the shortest they were using was 22 at the time anyway. And I, I don't, I presume you got to check out the mini fix while you were up there and mm-hmm. other, you know, cool things that they have laying around that aren't yet out on the market. Yeah. So we, I sat down with Kevin and covered, they have a lot of stuff that's going to come out in the next year. So I, I will be posting a video of that here short. Oh, well, like hopefully in the next couple of weeks, but lots of, lots of like cool stuff coming out in the mini fix, which was cool. It's in 300 blackout. 
I also built mine in 6.5 Creedmoor and my barrel's 22 inches. A little bit about the fix that I learned. So it was cool for one to put my, to put the gun together. And the guy that helped me, he was not going to like, let me like, where there were certain things I was like, I can't do like, there's this thing called the cock ring <laughs> and it's like on the, on the bolt. And like, that was that I struggled with. So I joked that I put it together in 27 seconds, but that's just because we did a, um, time lapse. Uh, yeah. A time lapse video. And it came out to 27 seconds, but we laughed because at the end you see it, like I'm really struggling with that stupid ring thing, like to put it over with the bolt, but a few things that I learned. So it's the first bolt gun with AR 15 ergonomics. The cam and the cocking piece, which is like kind of what I was talking about, they're designed to throw a fast 45 degrees instead of 90 degrees, like you would see like on a Remington 700. The hinge on the folding stock, I believe it's like made out of like a, a type of plastic or whatever, but it's basically designed, so it's compact, lightweight, but super strong. It's not going to rattle. So you would assume that because of the material it's made out of, like eventually it's just, it's not going to be as strong, but basically it's designed because the the more that you use it, the stronger it gets, uh, which I found was interesting. And then they also showed me like, after I put the gun together, there's some sort of way to like scan the trigger to make sure that it um, is operating properly. So it showed they compared like, there was this gun, I forget what it was called. It was like a I don't know, like a $30,000 gun. And they showed me the trigger on that. And it was like all over the graph. And, um, and so like what they look for when they measure that, you know, that trigger to make sure that everything's put together properly. So, um, and then the entire gun only weighs, this is the 6.5 crew one. The entire gun only weighs 6.4 pounds, which is pretty incredible. And I'm really anxious to see how that affects the recoil which uh they are shipping my gun hopefully this week and so i can't wait to shoot it i'm really interested to see how it shoots and and how that lightweight because you would think that that would kind of absorb some of the recoil but then i look back at some of the ars that i have because i've built some ars where they were about five pounds and that actually had less recoil than some of my heavier ars i don't know i'm i'm really excited about it and really just enjoyed my time there like I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. Very cool. Sounds like it was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thing you'll you'll notice, I don't know if you played with Kevin's fix, if it was there or not. Mm-hmm. So his his personal gun, I don't know how many times it's been shot or whatever. But when you first build a fix, the uh, uh, cocking lever is it's fairly stiff. So I took mine up and I was sitting in my office and I just you know kept opening and closing the bolt a whole bunch of times and. Now it's to the point where I can use my index finger and flip it up back and then back forward and down with no effort whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's one of like the, one of my favorite things about the gun is just how easy it is to move that bolt once it's, once it's broken in. Whoo! So smooth. What so about, awesome. what about the, like the folding stock, that little hinge? It gets, it gets easier over time. Cause that was <laughs> one thing, that was one thing that I kind of struggled with is I was like really I, pressing I, I, I down on it. Uh, you're not, you're not the only one. Actually, uh, Ivan from Kit Badger was uh-huh. here last night. Yeah. He, so I saw him. He, he drove, he yeah, was there. He, he, he was there when down. I was there. He drove down and he had a mini fix with him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I tried to, you know, fold the stock on it. <laughs> like, you know, I have a fix. So I know how it works. And it was, it's new. And it was one of those that's like, it just, it was so tight. It, it took a lot of effort to do. It took me a couple of tries to actually get it, but they, that breaks in after a little bit too. It's just, it's, it's real tight at first. 
Huh. Very cool. So Ivan was there when I was there as well. He had he'd flown in and he was there for two days. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. Yeah, he's really nice. But it was just like, it was really fun just to get to know everyone. And then like, we'd all go out to eat and stuff. You really just get a sense of just a sense of community. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, everyone's really relaxed. There's not like that whole like boss employee mentality where it's like, oh shit, the boss here, get to work. Kevin's like really relaxed. And like, you could just tell like, as long as they get their work done, he's not going to be like on their ass to be like, what are you guys doing? You know, and you have to force yourself to do like busy work. Because they're actually doing work that yeah. matters, though. Yeah, it's exactly. How that works. You treat your employees well, and they all want to work anyway. Yeah, and that's and that is like how I judge a company. Like when I visit the company, I always observe how the employees react towards their boss, and I feel like that just shows so much. I got one question: Did you guys go to Bubby's at all? Um, we might have. It's a Jewish deli. Oh no, know. no! But he's like ah. he like ranted and raved about it. Yeah, he's so good. He Kevin's I'll mentioned that quite that. a few times. <laughs> we just went to like a lot of breweries and yeah, that, that uh, doesn't I, surprise me. But yeah, now next time if you're ever back up in Portsmouth, go go check out Bubby's. Did you uh, walk around downtown at all? Mm-hmm, a little bit. It was really cold did, though. Did you see the North Church? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That so it's that so building. Pretty. No matter the time of day, I've walked past it when I've been up there, or what the weather was. It's that steeple is the most gorgeous white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even at All night, the they have it lit up. Like, it just reminded mm-hmm. me of almost like the Empire State Building in New York City. Obviously not as tall, but it's just like so well lit. Yeah. Port, it's such a, it's, even if you don't go to do anything with Q, if you ever get a chance to go to Portsmouth, check it out. It's such a quaint little town. It's one of the oldest in the United States, actually. Yeah. Um, like 1650, I think, something like that. Thanks. It's it's a cool town. Yeah, there's there's a lot of history there. George Washington used to go to church there. There there's all kinds of neat stuff. And then in the in the summer actually there's a he's deflated under my desk, but they actually have a, a UFO festival in Exeter where people come from all over the world to go, go to it. It's goofy. The whole town gets like aliens in their windows and stuff. It's it's a wild experience. <laughs> uh, Interesting. That, that sounds awesome. All right, cool. Very awesome stuff. Let's uh let's move on to the next what is it? Reviews? Facebook reviews. All right. So Facebook, iTunes, wherever it happens to be, please leave us a review or a recommendation. Uh, it helps people decide to listen to the show. Plus, you know, it's just cool to hear what you guys think. So first up, we've got Ryan M says recommended. Great to listen to when tooling away in the gun room, working or on the road. I just wish iTunes had all the episodes available, one to current. So I could hear the extreme awkwardness from the start to mild awkwardness the show is in in its current state. If the show were a girl at the bar and I was a single man, 1010 would smash. But since it's not, I guess I'll just have to smash that like button. <laughs> uh, I actually just went and looked and maybe you should quit smashing whiskey, bro, because one through 78 is there. I, I just looked. I'm looking at it right now. Episode one. Episode zero even. Huh, interesting. The, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that you're drunk, but you're drunk. Yeah. Uh, Jackson S says recommended awesome show. Ava's great. Sean's okay. Ha ha. No, he's good too. But honestly, I stopped listening to the other, to the other podcast because I'm catching up on this one. Plus the discounts are better. Love all the people from the industry they have on. It's awesome to hear from the different companies. You kind of feel like you know them once the show's over. The prank calls are hilarious, but honestly, I want to hear more from Gertrude. Love the buying ammo instead of milk and eggs. What an ungrateful husband. Ha ha. Keep up the good work. I also became a Patreon. I suggest everyone else do the same. Nah. Very nice. Uh, let's see. Rodin M recommended five stars. 
exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Ava and Sean are great together. They keep it lighthearted while providing great information. There's always a great guest lined up for them to interview. The prank calls are great. Highly recommend this one. Get it on your list and subscribe. And uh, we are giving away a lone wolf connector, trigger connector. Oh, yeah, yeah. To yeah, one of the let's, three. Let's let Adam pick. Out of those three reviews, Adam, who should win stuff? Oh, pressure, 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 I know, pressure. I know. The whole, uh, the whole board of directors election comes down to this moment. Yep. Can we get a drum roll? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, eeny, meeny, money, mo, catch a tiger by his, uh, I, I think we're going to go, have to go with, uh, Jackson here. Jackson. All right. All right, Jackson. Oh man, it's too late. Mainly yeah. because his tone is just okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, he said I'm good too. He's like, but no, really, I guess he's okay. All right. So Jackson, contact us. Uh, we have a trigger connector for you from Lone Wolf. They were nice enough to supply us with a bunch to give to our, uh, our listeners. All right. Let's wrap up. Let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. First off, if you want to find more about the show and all the places you can find us, just go to one place. It's gunfunny.com. You can do all the, all the different things there. Everything's listed and it's all pretty easy to find. So just, I mean, Except if you're Ryan, who left us a review about iTunes not having episode one. I mean, maybe it won't be easy for you to find, but everyone else, go to gunfunny.com. Ryan's actually a patron as well, and he's uh, a little special. That's why I'm giving him shit. Yeah. Uh, become a patron. Uh, you donate to the show. It helps us pay for things like editing and hosting and just you know stuff like that, stuff that uh, does cost money, but is very, very important to make sure that the show comes and out just, and does a great job. Just $1, you get access to our Patreon-only Facebook page, mm-hmm. and there's always like shit talking and, you know... It's it's actually a pretty fun little group. Definitely. And uh, our, our producer and editor is Kenny Ortega. So thanks to him for doing Kenny a great job. Kenny Ortega. And thanks to the Patreons for helping us, you know, pay him and yeah. uh, make sure that he can afford pork rinds and Dr. Pepper and things like that. These are <laughs> very, very, very important. We have some $25 a month Patreons and we have to say their name on the show by legal uh, obligation. Ava, do you want to say them? Uh, no, because I just realized that you left somebody out. I left somebody out. That's cool. Uh, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Charger Arms, Ryan Morrison, John Snow, Nathan Keck, Kevin Brittingham, and a dude named Alex. Uh, no, last name is Alexio. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael, right? Yeah. Michael Alexio. And I said his name right, apparently. So. All right. And then our king of the Patreon? Our king of the Patreons is Two Way Jewels. And uh, that's just basically the person who gives the most on Patreon every month. They do. You could take them out and get your own King of the Patreons t-shirt for $76 a month. Uh, until then, they want us to let you know that Valentine's Day is over, but there's never a better time to get your girl some bullet jewelry from 2A Jewels. Okay, first of all, if women are listening, they could also get, you know, guys like they make cufflinks and stuff that are really cool. That's true. Or, or what if it's a single woman? Maybe she just wants to buy herself some nice earrings. Yeah, get a girl. Yeah. Adam, have you considered maybe, uh, like, I don't know, getting a necklace or something to wear to the next court case? Yeah. No, that's not really my thing. I gave up necklaces a long time ago. Oh. Uh, okay, that's uh, cool. You do you. <laughs> I, now I'm just imagining you all blinged out like gold rings, gold necklaces, like maybe a nose ring. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should try it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Anyway, check it out. You can find it all gunfunny.com. Are we doing a giveaway or something? We are. We're actually doing it pretty soon. We are? Yeah. So guys, tag pack, monthly subscription box. Uh, we're giving one away and, uh, all you have to do is just go to gunfunny.com dot com forward slash tp as in tack pack not toilet paper wow. and put in your email and we're going to draw a lucky winner if you guys want to go to their website and order 
uh, one of their boxes. Use the code GUNFUNNY and you'll get a free SOG tool. Very important, not pinch made. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do. Adam Kraut, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's a pleasure, man. Yes, Always. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a, uh, you know, good luck on all the, all the cases. Like we're counting on you, man. If you, if you fuck this up for us, we're coming after you. Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go, fa- go find him, Adam Kraut, uh, the Adam Kraut and adamkraut.com kind of all over the place. And don't forget, you're going to hear this and there's still time. If you are an NRA voting member, vote for Adam Kraut for the board of directors. And guys, we're going to talk to you all next week. I think Adam's late for his haircut. Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.